0: And as a kid of the 80s growing up, and and Generation X, we're going to argue with a lot of generations that we had one of the coolest times of growing up. Think about this. The introduction of skateboarding just blew up across the world and the United States. And then we won't even start to talk about the amazing toys that came out during that time. There were Star Wars toys, Care Bears, Transformers, My Little Ponies, the list goes on and on. I mean... Do they even make toys anymore? I mean, they just make electronics, it seems. We had these amazing toys. Now, music. Now, a lot of people argue about music styles, but let me just share with you and just make my point. We had the introduction of hip hop. We had computers for the first time making music. There was punk rock, glam rock. I mean, if your rockers didn't have big, huge hair and big, huge outfits, I mean, what kind of rock did you even listen to? It was such an amazing time of growing up. Now, I, personally, am a bit of a movie junkie. I love movies, and, you know, I'm going to say again, the 80s had some of the greatest movies of all time. I mean, think about the Brat Pack. You know about the Brat Pack? We had 16 Candles, Pretty in Pink, and Breakfast Club. I mean, come on, Breakfast Club. It was such a great time. But then you went into the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. You had Ghostbusters. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. But one of my favorite of all times was Back to the Future. I loved Back to the Future. So if you haven't seen it, I'm going to tell you right now, with social distancing, you really have no excuse to not watch the Back to the Future trilogy. And so let me just give you a little bit of an idea. No spoilers here, but mini-spoiler alert. The main character goes back in time, and he goes back in time and sees his parents back in the 50s and interacts with them. And the whole hijinks of the whole thing is that he interferes with the space-time continuum. And as he's doing things in the past, they're messing things up as they go into the future. And so that changes the course of their lives. That idea continues to fascinate us as humans. I mean, we've had so many different things written, told about stories, books about what would happen if you could go back in time and change some things. Like, what if you could go all the way back and start all over, all the way back to beginning. So go back to little you, heading off maybe to kindergarten for the first time, that first day kindergarten, all the way to your life now. If you could redo your life, would you do some things different? Or would you absolutely do some things the same? I think all of us had given the opportunity would do a little bit of both, right? We'd say, man, I would love to go back to change some things, but I. There's some things I really am glad that I was able to be a part of. We all have regrets. We all do. And we all have things that we're so thankful for. But these experiences that we've gone through in life shape us. And they've made us part of who we are today. So I'm not going to try to go some Avengers Ultimate Parallel Universe thing with you. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about with Avengers... I'm going to say to you again, you really have no excuse right now. Uh, You are social distancing. There's a lot of movies with a lot of hours for you to be able to watch. Some of the best movies. Um, You should get caught up. Really, Back to the Future, Avengers, awesome. But I'm not going to go alternate parallel universe to you. I'm asking you this question. If you could change something you've done, if you could change something, some regrets that you have, what would you change? Back to the beginning, what would look different? And Eric Jackson wrote this in his article in Forbes, The 25 Biggest Regrets in Life, What Are Yours? He suggests some things that we would wish most humans could go back and change. And looking at what people are saying at the end of their life, he puts together 25 of the biggest. I I want to share with you a few of the ones I I like. One of the things he shared, he'd stay in touch with some good friends from our childhood and youth. Is there a friend that you connected with in high school or maybe junior high school as this best friend through college or whatever it was that was there for you thick and thin? But for some reason, time just got between you and they started their life and you started having kids or you started moving on and all these things happened. And if you could go back and say, this one person who knew me so well, if I could keep that relationship going, I would go back. And some say, if I could have that cup of coffee with that person and just go back, would everything be different? Could I go back and keep that relationship alive? Another thing is worrying about what others thought about us so much. Is that a, any issue for you? Do you think, like, always worry about what people think about you or are so concerned about what the outside world thinks about us? Like, for some of us, it becomes the emphasis of our lives because in the moment we believe that our successes or our failures, our futures are, de- are going to be determined upon what somebody thinks about us. But if we're all honest, like, at the end of our life, what does any of this even really matter? Another thing he shares is not asking that girl or that boy out. I mean, do you have any regrets from those days that, you know, the hot jock, the beautiful girl, the girl next door, the person who worked with you in the store? You say, oh, I wish I would have asked that person out. Go to prom, go on the date, do take the chance. But fear crippled you. Fear kept you from taking that. And so now you live this life. Maybe you stream through Facebook or social media and you think, man, what if I would have taken that chance? Would life have been any different for me? Finally, I wish I'd been happier and not taken life so seriously. Isn't it crazy that as we become adults and we grow and we become so serious about everything and these responsibilities, the joy that we had in childhood starts to just diminish and fade away. And for so many of us, we start to lose that. We start to lose that joy. We start to think that I'm not really allowed to act childish anymore. What would happen if you just went and danced in the rain again, like you did when you were a kid, like that was one of my favorite things, when the rain would come and you'd go into our swimming suits and go outside and just dance and splash in the puddles. Like, are we worried about what people think? I mean, that's so far below us. Like what happened to that joy that we had at that time? What if you took the time to take the trips, make the memories, be with the friends and do all those things for you? What if you just laughed at yourself once in a while? So, I'm gonna kick some things off for you. I already told you I love nostalgia. I love the 80s, so I'm gonna share with you. Here's a picture from me from eighth grade. Here's my eighth grade picture with my radical skater haircut. You may all smile, you may all laugh. It's okay, because you're all gonna have that same haircut as social distancing continues for another month. Anyways, our hair is gonna look ridiculous, but this was me back then, and it's okay. I just, what was I thinking? I thought I was so cool, but now I look back and, like, that haircut is a regret. But believe me, if I had the same chance to go back in time, I think I would maybe make some of the same mistakes. And maybe not, right? Like, maybe I would do things differently, but there's a pattern inside of me that made the mistakes the first time. Maybe I wouldn't do those same mistakes, but I'd maybe make some different ones. We don't know. And that's where we're going to pick up the story of God today, because God is amazing. That gives us an opportunity to actually start over, like wipes the slate clean, everything back to the beginning. We get to go back to where it all began in the beginning. And so in the series that we've been in for the last few weeks, we've been studying this whole Lenten series, and we started in the Garden of Eden. And the Garden of Eden, where God intended for all of his people to live, we're all there. It is perfection. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And God lived with us, like lived with the humanity, lived with Adam and Eve. They walked with them. They talked with them. It was like this perfect relationship. I mean, there's, there's no drama. It was just perfection. And then they were told this one thing. Genesis 3, we see that they came out of the starting blocks. And one of the things they did was disobey God. They were told they could have anything in all of creation. All of this is here for you. But I'm telling you, do not eat of this fruit from this tree. You can have anything. Anything, everything here is yours. But I'm telling you, I don't want you to have this one. This one thing, don't do it. So there are a million debates. And if you've been in those debates, you're probably thinking right now, I've got a million questions. I got questions like, okay, why did God put that there? Uh, did Adam and Eve have a choice to eat from it? We think about, well, why did God create all of us if we knew that we were going to mess up? And all these different ways of thinking. Now, if you're a Bible nerd like me at all, um, I love thinking about this stuff and, and working through it. And But the truth is, we're just speculating. We're we're trying to piece some different pieces together. And I've read books and theories that bring things together. And, and one time I'm like, wow, this guy has a really good idea. And then over here, well, she's got a really good idea as well. And so we can all we can do is speculate. So I don't have that answer. But let me simplify it for us today and make it a little bit personal, okay? Personally, of everything we have, all of your possessions, everything God has given you, everything right now that you have, family, friends, uh your your home, if you have a car, if you have food, all those things that go on and on. Have you ever in your life stopped and looked and said, "I wish I had that?" Like I'm thankful. Thank you for everything I have, but I want that too. You know, In our terminology, you might think of your neighbor's car. You might think of your friend's husband. You might think of your sister's job. And you just thought, if I only had that, I would be fulfilled. And if only that one thing, even though it's not given to me, it's given to somebody else, if I had that one thing, I would feel important. Well, we use the terms jealousy. We use the terms lust. We use the terms gluttony. We use the words coveting. All these terms that are saying that there's something that I want that I'm told I'm not supposed to have. And I know I've been there. I've done this. I do this at times. I compare myself. I say, if I only had blank. But God didn't give that to me. And I'm going to assume that most of you watching right now, you've also been in that field. So we are in the same place, Adam and Eve. They were told not to take from that. That's not for them. They wanted it. They were deceived. They thought they would be an okay thing. It's not a big deal. It was a huge deal because this now released the virus of sin into the world. The virus of sin has now from that day spread It's spread all throughout humanity. And since the beginning of time, even now as we sit here today, this virus of sin spreads and is causing sickness and death. It's causing pain. It's causing so much drama in us, in our relationships, in our world. Sin was released when we said, I want to do what I want instead of what God's telling me. So everything is perfect. Here we are in the garden. We release, we corrupt everything. And because of that, all of creation was then cursed. By God, In the beginning, God said, that everything's beautiful. I love this. But now he says, it's cursed because you've gone against me. And so Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. These are the results of sin being released through Adam and Eve's disobedience. He said this, to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Your painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I command you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. You will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat plants of the field. By your sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. From dust you are, to dust you will return. Because of sin... All of creation now is cursed, and ever since then, humans have been longing to go back to that true home, back to that time when everything was right, back to the time before the curse of sin has just infested all of us, the the time before we got to walk with God and be with God in this beautiful time, the time before we want to go back to the beginning, we want to go back in time and do it all again. But here's the most beautiful thing. We created this mess that we cannot get out of. But because of Jesus taking our punishment on the cross, because of what we're about to celebrate coming to Good Friday and Easter, there's so much hope that we have. We have hope because we get to go back to the beginning because God created a pathway and a plan. We can't do it. Just like we can't jump in a time machine and go back in time and fix those regrets that we have, we cannot go back to the beginning and we cannot fix the cause of sin that we're a part of. It had to be somebody outside of it and that was God alone. And so today, we're going to explore Revelation 21 as we're given a glimpse of the time when God will fully restore all of humanity, all of his creation, back to the beginning, back to where we belong, where we are back dwelling with God in this season, and we have this hope in Lent, as we've been exploring and contemplating, look, we're mortal. We're going to die. We're created from dust. We return to dust. Our sin is serious. The hope that we, and grace that we have in Christ, we have an important part in this, which is to turn our focus and our attention to that Christ is the one who did it all that he's going to return. And he's not only going to return as king, when he returns as king, he is going to take all of the work of saving humanity and return us right back to the beginning again. The world we have now, come on, man, this isn't plan A. I mean, it's not hard to figure this out right now with everything that's going on. This is not hard to look and say, okay, this is what a world of sin looks like. I mean, We're all sitting in the middle of it right now. How many more weeks are we going to be sitting separated from people? COVID-19, we're starting to hear of people and friends, some of our actors that we like, or maybe some of our childhood heroes. We're starting to hear of them getting it. We're starting to hear of it spreading faster. And so we sit here like, when is this going to end? And then we've got all the illnesses besides that, the flu, the sicknesses, all these things going on, cancer. One of the most evil things I think in our world, cancer that some of you great friends right now are living through or have lived through. When is this going to end? Why are there so many earthquakes and all these things happening throughout our world? We think of all the murder, all the fear, all the suffering, and we look at this and say, this is the world when sin is released. This is what it looks like. This is the terror of what sin is and what it does into our worlds. So we're going to take that now And we're going to put that on a shelf. Now we're going to explore Revelation 21. Because because of what is here, we can't fix the problem. But Jesus does something that nobody else could do. And he takes us back to the beginning in Revelation 21, 1 through 5. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to flip there in your Bibles. And if you have your Bible apps or using your iPads, feel free to flip there as well. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. And as you're flipping there, let me give you a little backdrop of what's going on inside of this passage in this book. Uh, The book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John approximately 95 AD, uh, written from the island of Patmos. And it was written in this apocalyptic uh, form of Jewish writing, which means it's very, uh, has a lot of uh, imagery, um, a lot of pictures and word pictures to try to help us understand uh, what is going on in a way to communicate hope to the reader. In it, John's given this vision from God that that he wants to show them what's going to happen, not Jesus now coming as the king, but also a warning and also hope to all of humanity. So Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Let's pick it up there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. This will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He was seated on the throne and said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. In 21.1, John sees this the old heaven, the old earth have disappeared, and there's this new thing. So, what this means is that the earth as we know it, the sky that we see, the stars that we gaze at, the planets that we are enamored by, the galaxies, all of these things, the flowers that we smell, these things are gone. But at the same time, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And this is not to say that there won't be flowers, or there won't be planets, or there won't be galaxies. What this is, is there's a rebirth of bringing us back to the place where sin has not riddled everything. It is now a sinless place. So what would our world look like if our sin never never entered it? This is where we're going back to. So I wonder what a world without sin, what a flower would smell like. I wonder what forests would look like? What would oceans look like if sin was not in our world? What would it look like and what would it sound like if sin never entered? What would it, I mean, just for a second, pause here. What would our world be like? That's what's going to come for us. It's going to be perfection. The sounds, the smells, the sights, our senses. I mean, it's going to be a completely new, sinless place there are no hurricanes. There are no endangered species. There are no earthquakes. There is no illness. There is no COVID-19. Everything is back to the way it's supposed to be. And just as we are now creations in Christ, we can't see there's a physical change. So the earth is going to be transformed and everything will be a new creation. And in the second verse, John says he sees Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And this is significant because at the climax of the history of time, and all of these things coming down, it doesn't conclude, it doesn't have us rising up to God. It has God himself coming down to us. The God of the universe makes his dwelling among us. Everything is made new. Sin is eradicated. There's a new world happening. And God comes to be with us. In Revelation, at the end of time, when sin is over and God and humans are back together, we might have thought, like, man, God, what are you doing? Like, how is this even possible? Because we look at it now and say, heaven isn't a place that we go. It's rather a place that we dwell again with our God, that we get to be with him. What an amazing thought, especially in this time right now where so many of us are losing hope. People are frustrated and irritation is just starting to rise. Irritation is rising among ourselves, among our families as we're stuck inside. I don't know if you've been out recently and driven, but I feel like irritated driving right now is even on the rise. There's just an irritation right now. So let me cast this hope to you that this is not what's going to be at the end. In the end, everything is made new. We get to be back with our God again. We get to go back to the beginning. So walk with me through this for a minute. The curses that we see in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19 are then taken and flipped and reversed. So the curses that came upon us are flipped and reversed in both Revelation 21, 3 through 5, but also Revelation 22, 1 through 4, we see the undoing of the curses that we brought. Into the world, if you want to flip there, please feel free to do so. Revelation twenty-two one through four to check this new verse out. But listen to this, and and listen to the encouragement of what this is going to be like for us. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, our sin caused separation from God. And because of Jesus, the curse is now reversed. Because of Jesus, now the sin that we cause is flipped around. Our sin, your sin, all of us caused death. But because of Jesus, the curse is now reversed and there's no more dying. Think about that. We brought death. Now Jesus flipped it and there's no more dying. Our sin caused pain. But because of what Jesus did, that's reversed, and now there's no more pain. Our sin caused hard toil and work just to be able to eat and to survive. Surviving is a chore. It's a task. But now Jesus is food and water given to us. All of this is because of the work of God. It's all because of Him. It's all because of Him. The great news of Jesus, His death and His resurrection, God literally did it all. Everything goes back to the beginning because of him. We're given an opportunity that we can't make for ourselves to get a restart. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing you're going to do to work for it. There's nothing. We simply have to humble ourselves. We simply have to admit our sin. Then the virus we released, we call out to Jesus to save us from us. And he saves us. He's the one. The recreation of the garden and the elements and all these things at the end of the Bible should be a source of encouragement for all of us during this season. It's a reminder that God cares for his creation. God cares for his creation. It seems like hope is lost right now, but hope is not lost. Easter is coming. It's, uh, we start to think that God, where are you as we're going through this? I mean, you, you can't be around us right now. There's so much going on, but COVID-19 can't stop Jesus. Unemployment can't stop Jesus. Stock markets, food shortages, fear, death. It can't stop Jesus. Friends, Easter is coming. With Easter, there's a hope of a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. With Easter coming, death is defeated. With Easter coming, our king wins. With Easter coming, we have hope. With Easter coming, we're offered life. With Easter coming, everything goes back to the beginning. The central idea of this whole thing, the big idea of this, friends, is that we go back to a relationship with God the way that it was supposed to be. You and I have never experienced it. We'll only experience back then. We'll only experience when the new heaven and the new earth come. We weren't there. Only Adam and Eve walked in the garden. But now, you and I have opportunity to do it again because of Jesus. Because of him, we now have hope to go back to the beginning. I want to go back and just think about this thought for a second. God wipes away the tears of his people. God is an image of a father wiping away tears of those who've been hurting. I want you to think about God as his father holding his children and with a tender touch loves them so that there is no more pain and crying. Take the image of what God is doing, this intimacy of revelation, and realize that our God is so passionately in love with us that the virus that we let loose into his creation, he provided a solution, and he takes us back to the beginning. Sin separated us from God. Death entered the world. But because of Jesus, we will one day have a very real very physical, and have a real relationship with the God of the universe. Lent isn't just a time for us to sit and remember our mortality and remember our sins. It, it's important, but I want to take that now as we enter into the beautiful Holy Week and say everything is flipped because of what we're about to enter into Good Friday and Easter. We now have hope. The curse is reversed. We get to go back to the very beginning. We get to go all the way back to the start. We get to go back to where we're supposed to be and what we were created to be, which is in relationship, living and dwelling with our God. We get to go back to the beginning all because of Jesus. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering